Well, hey, I'm, I'm really glad to be here tonight. I, I'm really thankful. Uh, JMU has, is a very special place uh, for me, uh, as, as well as my wife, Katie. Uh, we're both alumni, so we, we graduated many, many years ago. Uh, I was, uh, she was 96, I was 97, uh, and we got married. And so I actually came to faith also in Jesus at James Madison. Um, actually, the first Bible study I ever did was actually in Taylor, um, Taylor Hall, you know, that we did upstairs. It, it wasn't down here, but it was upstairs. Uh, but JMU is a special place. Um, as I think about, uh, I, how many of you guys lived in Eagle? Anybody live in Eagle? Eagle. What, what floor? First, I was an eighth floor. Eighth floor Eagle. And then, just because I liked it so much, we actually, uh, a bunch of us lived on the fifth floor shorts. You know, and somebody today told me, like, you lived in the two worst places, you know, on campus. Uh, but we had a great time. Uh, we did a lot of really funny stuff uh, in Eagle and Shorts. Uh, but it was at JMU that I found authentic Christianity, where I found somebody, people my own age, who loved Jesus, and that was significant. Um, and not only you know that my wife and I have gone there, but our daughters have been there. I think there's a slide here too. I have a slide. Uh, there you go. You know, I just wanted, wanted to throw those up there. You know, I know you guys can tell which one is which, right? You know, I mean, you can clearly see. You know. I mean, just sweet Hannah and sweet Olivia right there. You know, we see those pictures every day, you know, when we come downstairs um, or the, when they go upstairs they're in our hallway. So there they are. You know, I just felt like it was good to embarrass them just a little bit, you know. Um, I think they still have those dresses. Uh, you know, so. But we, um, as we think about, you know, everything that we have going on in the world, we think about, you know, our lives. And, and some of the songs that we were singing tonight, we're, we're thinking, like, are, are things broken? You know, are things difficult? Are relationships uh, askew at times? Um, and probably many of you would say, yeah, there, there are times when things are very, very hard, right? Um, you know, you can't watch the news but feel kind of heavy right now, right? I mean, probably the best thing to do is just not watch the news at this point, right? Um, but the more you watch the news, the more you're involved in whatever news agency you're getting your news from, you just feel very, very weighted down. And you go, how's all this going to work itself out? You know, is like, and there's times where you go, Lord, are you in control? Are you in, are you in control of this mess that we have going on right now? Like with COVID and Putin and Russia and Ukraine and, and, you know, you know, thermonuclear war and all of these other things. And I'm not trying to be a downer here. Okay. You know, we should put the girls back up there, you know, so you can laugh for a second. Okay. Yeah, there we go. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Just, there we go. All right. But in the midst of this, I mean, where do we find hope? Where do we find strength? Right. And so we go to to the word of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to John uh, chapter 15. This is one of my, one of my favorite. I'm just going to stay here because I'll be right here. Um, but I, I love this passage. So in the Gospel of John, you know, John writes, he actually gives a purpose statement in John 21 as to why he wrote it. And he wrote that we might know who Jesus is and that we might have life in his name and that we might flourish. But, but in the midst of the Gospel of John, he gives us all of these I am statements. And some of you guys might have heard of these things. And these are self-revealing statements of Jesus as to who he is, right? So he might say, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. Uh, he'll say, I am the light of the world. He would say, I am before I am, right? I say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He'll say, I am also the vine. You know, these are these self-revealing statements of Jesus as he tries to reveal himself and give life to people who would, would believe in him. But I love John 15, uh, 1 through 11. So let's, let's read it. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Right? Like, what a sweet promise there in verse 11 at the very end, right? I mean, how many of you guys you know, want to feel and experience the joy of Christ? I mean, like, that's what we want, right? Like nobody wants to experience like how about the pain of Christ? Like nobody, you know, like nobody's like you know, no, I'm I'd like to bypass that. But the joy, so all of these things he's saying, these are so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, to the point where the joy that resides within you will actually overflow to those around you. That that's what we're called to be, and that's called manifesting fruit. Now let me um let me jump into to verse one here. Let me grab my notes. Um as we think about this. Let's, let's begin with this. Like, this is talking about Jesus is the vine, right? Like, this is very obvious. Jesus, again, this is a metaphor, right? Like, do we believe that the Bible is literal? Yes, but we don't really believe that Jesus was a vine, okay? But we are taking the Bible literally, but we're not saying that Jesus was a vine or is he a door or a gate or any of those kind of things. But Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So just keep that in mind, right? The true vine is Jesus. The vine dresser who's orchestrating everything is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So, so this is the announcement of Jesus in our lives. Jesus is the source of that grace and blessing. Think of the branch that is growing out of the vine. The branch must stay connected to the vine. In springtime, the branch must stay connected. In drought, the vine must stay connected to the branch for the branch to thrive, right? So what happens when you take a branch away from the vine, right? It withers and dies. And so I think that there are many times in our lives where we feel very dry and very withered in the midst of our Christian life. I mean, and I mean it might actually happen day to day in the midst of this, right? That we feel very dry and very withered. And I think the reason is that is because we are not staying connected to Jesus, okay? As a matter of fact, rather than being connected to Jesus, we have all of these false vines that we connect ourselves to, all right? So on a daily basis, we are disconnecting from Christ, and we are connecting to false vines. Like some of those false vines might be like this, right? I'm just going to list them out. You know, maybe it's like your bank account. Um, probably not so much now because you're students, right? You know, um, you know, maybe job, pursuing a job, advancement, career, vocation. You know, those could be false vines that you find your significance in. Um, how about these, like popularity, possessions, relationships, a bottle, 
drugs. Um, think about some of these things that might even be innocent and, or wholesome, like, like a marriage or a family. You know, and you know, pe- wives want their, will say, I want my husband to make me happy. You know, and, and here's the deal. If, if, you know, eventually you get married, you know, Katie can attest to this, that if she connects to me rather than Jesus, she will wither because I will let her down. Because the reality is, the thing that you pursue, the thing, whatever you give yourselves to, will consume you, okay? Whatever it is. Like, whatever you give yourself wholly to will consume you, except for Jesus, <laughs> okay? The true vine. And I think that as, as we think about that within the Christian life, it's like, so how do we live this Christian life? So if Jesus is the vine, and I'm supposed to eschew to, to get rid of and make sure that I'm connected to the right power source, you know, that's the vine, right? I mean, when, when you guys call the help desk for computers, what's the first thing they ask you? Is it plugged in? <laughs> Have you ever called the computer help desk and not had your computer plugged in and felt like a fool? Or maybe you've heard a story like that, right? Well, yeah, okay, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, like, there you go. You know, see, the gospel frees us, you know? I mean, the gospel frees us and allows us to expose, you know, our, our folly, right? You know, and then when you go, and, and you probably lied. You know, you're like, oh, you know, it can't be that. You know, like, no, no, it, it was totally like that. You know, like, oh, yeah, I, I'm breaking up. Okay, and you hang up, you know? And then, you're, and then you recognize that you need to be connected to a power source, right? But the problem is, in our own lives, because our hearts are idol factories, or we want to disconnect and connect to other things. And we're going to be tempted to do that all the time, every day, in every way. Now, the Father is the vine dresser. So, so here's the reality of the gospel. And this is the good, the good news of the gospel. If, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins, you believe that every sin, every transgression of the law that you've ever committed is paid for on the cross, and you trust and believe in Jesus, you've confessed with your, with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you're a Christian. And you're a child of God. No longer an enemy of God, but a child of God. And that's good news, right? And, and you know what you have to do? You don't merit that at all. Like, you don't have to earn it. Jesus earns it on your behalf. That's the good news of the gospel. And so you get ushered into this family where you are um, you know, a son and daughter of the Most High King, loved and beloved by the Father because of what Jesus has done for you. If you believe that, then your Father is the vine dresser. Now, he uses this analogy. In verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Let, let me um, say this with regard to the Greek. That word can be taken as, as taking away uh, the idea of those, those branches that are not bearing fruit, he takes it away. But he says that later on, too. Um, and so I think a better translation of that, and I think this is, you know, in terms of the, the vine, is actually another way to translate that taking away is actually the Greek word lifting up. Okay? So I don't know if you, how many of you guys have been to vineyards before. Anybody? Okay, I won't tell your parents or anything. Okay, you know I mean you've been, been to vineyards. I mean vineyards are the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful places you know, around. There's like a billion vineyards in Virginia, right? And there's some of the most lovely places to go. Well, you guys, if you don't know this, um, grapes don't grow in the ground; they grow on trellises. And if vines are on the ground they will die and spoil because they need air to go around the grape in order for it to actually you know, grow and, and become a good fruit, okay? So in this sense, I like the translation that he actually, that, that does not bear fruit, he actually lifts up, okay? 
So there's a sense in which the Father in heaven, the vine dresser, will lift up the branches that are on the ground to help them, to enable them. This is the picture of Jesus when people who were sinners who came to him, you know, like in, in Luke, um, where the, the woman who's you know, basically a prostitute comes in and she goes, I'm a sinner. She begins to wet Jesus's feet with her hair and says, oh, please forgive me. You know, she can't even deal with it. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. You know, Jesus lifts her up, right? He lifts her up in kindness and compassion, and he, and, he, and he loves her in that way. Now, when we think about the vine dresser, he not only lifts us up at times, and which, is, which is very comforting, right? Because when you are dry and withered, and you feel like nobody understands you, and you are all alone. Anybody ever felt like that? Everybody felt like you felt misunderstood, you feel very alone, and you feel very, very overwhelmed to know that the Father in heaven loves you enough to lift you off the ground. But not only does he lift us off the ground. In verse 2, it says he, that he takes away or lifts up, and then every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. Now, that's an interesting um, thing. So, so how does the Father in heaven do that in the midst of our lives? You know, in, in Philippians um, chapter 2, it says, you know, the Father will, you know, work out everything for our salvation. You know, working through the Holy Spirit, he, he lifts us up, but he also prunes us, right? So he takes away the branches that hinder growth. If you are not bearing fruit and, and, and you are not a part of the true vine, you know, but if you are a part of the true vine and you've got branches in your life that are leading you to not bear fruit, and you know, again, the fruit that we think about, this is the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, right? Anybody know Galatians 5? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Those things, right? I mean, that, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we should be growing in. When there are areas of our life as Christians, as believers in Jesus, that are not bearing the fruit, the Father in heaven prunes us. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but pruning hurts, okay? When something is taken away, or chopped off of you, it is painful, right? But the Father does this. He does this to actually help us. So He will prune us so that um, He will wield the pruning knife and He will do it expertly. And the pain, and it may be painful, and that pain may be very deep, but He is cutting back things in our lives so that, so that we might grow in Christ. He is not needlessly inflicting pain. The Lord God of heaven is not arbitrary. He is not capricious. He is an expert vine dresser. And he is looking at your life saying, how can I make you more fruitful? You know, I think about this, um, this little word here, um, or this little phrase, that Jesus um, and, and, the, and the Father in heaven will comfort the afflicted, but he will also afflict the comfortable. Get that? Yeah, he will comfort the afflicted, but he will afflict the comfortable. Because I think that there's a tendency within our, our culture today to become very comfortable in our own lives. To become very comfortable with, you know, how we eat and how we sleep and, and you know, all these other comforts that we have. And there are times when the Lord will actually bring in difficulty in your life. And that is the pruning process so that he can draw you to himself. You know, this is the discipline of the Lord. So God will circumstantially bring adversity and trials into our lives 
and God will chasten us because of unrepentant sins in our lives. And God will do this through the ministry of the Word. He will do it through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we will be drawn back to Him. He doesn't do it to harm us, but He actually does it to draw us to Himself. You know, um, when we think about this idea of you know, fruitfulness you know, in, in the life of a believer, again, the, the fruitfulness of this inward fruit that we have of you know, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, but there's also this spiritual fruit, you know, um, this upward fruit, you know, where we sacrifice our life for Him, that we actually become missionaries to our, our neighbors, to our doormates, to our, our classmates, where we actually want to live a life of self-sacrifice for the sake of Jesus. And, and you know the song we sang earlier? You know, like, is He worthy? Is He worthy of me to do that? And, and I love it because the refrain is, He is. He is. But not only will there be sort of this upward fruit of, of a self-sacrifice where we, we literally give ourselves to Him, but there'll be sort of this, um, this new fruit that occurs too because one of the things that happens is in verse 11, these things that I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. When, when you are um, full of joy in Christ, you cannot help but tell other people about it, right? Like, here, here's, here's an example. Um, how many of you, um, if you had been driving to campus today, and you saw gas for 50 cents a gallon. Wouldn't you tell every, or some of you sinners might say, I'm not telling anybody. You know, like, I'm, I don't want to tell anybody that. Matter of fact, I might figure out how to sell some gas, right? You know, but you would say, that's good news, right? And you would go like, hey, did you go up to the top of Port Republic? There's a gas station, 50 cents, 50 cents. The line's around the door, 50 cents, 50 cents. Like, you would tell them that. There's something about, you know, but, but in Christ... When we understand that we have been forgiven, that we have been loved, and that everything that we have ever done, past, present, and future, has been paid for, and then we've been ushered into the family of God, adopted into His family, then we go, I can't help but tell other people about what has happened to me. And the joy of Christ will bring about new fruit. Because I will tell you this, like there is something attractive about joy. And I'm not talking about circumstantial happiness, okay? I'm talking about a deep-seated joy, knowing that regardless of the external factors in your life, that you have joy. I'm not talking about happy, clappy, you know, rainbows, lollipops, rainbow, you know. I'm talking about somebody who's like, I know what will happen when I die. I have great confidence in the Father in heaven. I know that I'm a child of God. And, 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 and please hear me this. I know that I am forgiven. Forgiveness is huge. Let me, let me um, pause just for a second. Um, one of the things that I do besides um, be a pastor and father to two great girls and a husband to a lovely wife and two other boys too that aren't here, um, but I also get to be a chaplain with the U.S. Air Force. So I'm a reserve chaplain. I've been doing it for about 10 years. So I just came off uh, my annual tour. And I got to tell you, um, I was thrust right into this um, situa situation this past week, the last two weeks. And um, what happened was this, this woman's husband, who's 100 days away from retirement, 22-year veteran, master sergeant in the Air Force, um, uh, had an alcohol-related incident, and a firearm went off, and he, and he killed himself. And the wife that I'm, 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 I'm I, so I show up on base, and they say, hey, Boomer, you're, um, you're, you're, I need you to go comfort this family. You know? And I'm like, 
Roger that. Let, 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 me, let me go see what I got, right? So I show up. This woman has witnessed this tragedy in front of her, you know, at, at her front door, um, happily married for 20, I think it was like 23 years, uh, 22-year-old son who had just finished up basic military training or boot camp in the Air Force, was special forces in the pipeline for special forces. His daughter is a, a CNA, 19, was there. Uh, his daughter had had a conflict with him. Um, he, he had become inebriated, intoxicated. He was drunk. His wife you had a little bit of conflict with him, and then and through an accident, I don't know how it happened, um, but he killed himself. The wife is, is obviously overwhelmed, right? Just completely broken. Husband that she loved, 100 days away from retirement. Both, both kids are, are distraught. Um, and here's what's going on right now. Everybody's blaming themselves. You know, she's blaming herself, like, if I had just done this, if I had just done this, then this wouldn't have happened. You know, the daughter feels like the last time I had a conversation with my dad, I was angry. And, and as I go, you know, the, 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 the wife vacillates back and forth between just anger at her husband and anger at herself, um, frustration, sorrow, loss, anxiety, which, you know, I mean, all of these things are just swirling around within her. And as I'm sitting with her, she looks at me and just through, through tears, she says, it's my fault. It's my fault. And I had to look at her and I said, no, it's not. I said, are there things that you would have done different? Absolutely. But there is forgiveness. There's forgiveness found in Christ. And she says, how can I ever forgive myself? How can I forgive myself? I said, you can forgive yourself and you can forgive your foolish husband who did a foolish act because you have been forgiven. And I said, and you have to deal with this. You have to deal with this because if you don't, the anger that you have will poison your soul. And so we talked about that for about an hour. And she's, she's not ready to forgive herself yet. She's not ready to forgive her husband. Matter of fact, I have to do part of the service tomorrow um, near Yorktown. But I will tell you, brothers and sisters, that it's the forgiveness to know that you are forgiven. Here's the deal. To know that you are fully known. All your spots, wrinkles, blemishes, every sin you've ever committed, that all of that is known and you are forgiven. It is life-changing. It's life-changing. Now, the thing that I want to point out in this verse next is this. Um, how do we do this? Like, how do we stay connected to the vine? And we use this very churchy term, and it's called abide in me, right? We sang the song, but what does that mean, right? Abide in me. Because it says very clearly, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what does this word say? Shout it out. Right. On our own effort, right? We can't do anything. So there's this, this sense in which we can't do anything, but we have to abide in him. Now, the idea of abiding is, let me, let me break it down into four R's for you guys so you can kind of remember it, right? Um, four R's. The first is this. We've got to remain in Christ. 
And, and to remain in Christ it means this, that not to be moving about, but being anchored in our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's, we need to be you know, anchored to Jesus so that we're not straying far away from him, right? Um, how many of you have a vivid memory in your, in, your, in your history of your childhood where you were separated from your parents and you were full of angst? Anybody? Like, it could have been a grocery store, could have been in a department store. I mean, but all of a sudden, you look up and mom and dad are gone, right? And you are just anxious, right? That is what we're talking about right here. The anxiety that many of us feel is because we have drifted away from, you know, our Savior. We have drifted away and we have wandered aimlessly. I like the idea that, that sheep, you know, we're, and we're called sheep, right? You know, if Christ is the shepherd, we're sheep. You know, sheep are stupid, right? You know, and sheep will eat themselves lost, is what it looks like. Because what they'll do is they'll put their head down and they will eat something green. And then they will go to the next thing green and the next thing green and the next thing green and the next thing green. And the next thing you know, they're over a cliff or they're in a, a crevice and they're lost. And so what we need to do is we need to remain with Christ. That's the first R, to remain with Christ. You know, this is when the disciples needed to follow Jesus. You know, we need to interact with Jesus. There needs to be an intimacy of communion and relationship with Jesus to live and remain close in vital fellowship with him. Secondly, if we're not, not only does abide have a connotation of remaining, but it also has the connotation of resting in the Lord, right? The idea is that you are trusting him, looking to him, and you are resting um, in him similar to the way you're resting in the chair you're sitting in right now. But even more so, um, how many of you guys have ever babysat small children, right? I love going to the nursery and sitting, and I love it when like little uh, boys and girls who are reading books, and they'll grab a book, and they'll come up to you. And here's what they do. They, they kind of come up to you, like I'll pretend like I'm sitting cross-legged, and they come up to you in like a, a garbage truck. They like come up behind you, and they go, <laughs> beep, 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 and then they just kind of fall into your lap, right? I mean, it's just really sweet. And then, you, you know, then you, you read a, a board book for like, I don't know, three, four seconds, and they get another one, and they do the same thing, right? But there's something very, very comforting, you know, for that child to be sort of enveloped by the arms of somebody bigger than them, right? I mean, some of you may even remember an experience like that, you know, when you were younger, that you just loved being, you know, embraced by your mom or your dad, right? Like there's a sense of, of protection, but, but resting. I remember... Um, I grew up on a farm in Virginia Beach, and, and one of the things that I, I grew up next door to my, my grandparents, my, my grandma and granddad, uh, and, and when I would spend the night at my grandparents' house, I kid you not, they had a feather bed, like full-on feather bed, and you know, and it was, um, you know, it was probably nine feet high and six feet wide, you know, and a whole bolt of cloth for the tick. Some of you might know that reference from Grandma's Feather Bed. Some of you might not know that John Denver song. Um, but if you don't know that John Denver song, you guys need to be a little bit more cultured, and so get with it, okay? Um, but I remember there was a sense in which uh, when, when I would be placed in the middle of the feather bed, and it was, it was high, I don't know if you guys know what a feather, you're placed in the feather bed, and I remember being like five, six years old, I would just sink right to the bottom of the feather bed. Right. And I would there would be sides, literally sides like up, like protecting me. Right. And then I remember my grandfather would be on one side and my grandmother and I would sleep between them when I would spend the night when I was just a little guy. And I remember feeling just this utter sense of safety. Like a lion could have come into the room and I would have been safe. Like 
There is no, nothing that would have harmed me. And there's a sense in which abiding in Christ is resting in him, like resting in him, you know, in prayer, in his word, resting at his feet, not striving, but resting and enjoying Christ. And I will tell you that one of the things that we are missing today is resting in Christ. Because right now our culture is go, 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 go. Produce, 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 produce. And if you have any moments of, of space or margin in your life, you have to fill it with something you know, that is round and, or rectangular and, and video and, and, you're, and you're doing something all the time. That's not resting in Christ. But to abide in Christ is to rest in Christ. To remain in Christ, to be resting on Christ. You know, a similar one is this idea of to rely upon Christ. It's a moment-by-moment dependence upon the Lord. To draw upon His resources for everything that I need. I'm relying upon His peace. I'm drawing upon His strength. Every need in my life is a conscious choice against relying upon myself. I am relying upon His sustaining grace. The branch needs the vine for everything. For everything. Because what can we do by ourselves apart from the vine? It says nothing. Matter of fact, what we can do is we can wither and die. And that is a dangerous place for us to be. You know, to abide, J.C. Ryle says this with regard to this idea of, of, of reliance. He says, to abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with Him, to be always leaning on Him, resting on Him, pouring out our hearts to Him, and using Him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have His words abiding in us is to keep His sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds and to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. Now, what's interesting about this section as we we get to the the latter part of this, you know, notice what it talks about, you know, um, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, You don't have to earn your way in, but the fruit of the Spirit, as you are manifesting the fruit, there is this assurance of salvation that accompanies the fruit of the Spirit. As you are growing in Christ, as you are growing in the fruit of the Spirit, you are more assured of your salvation and of your place in heaven and that your Father is good and He's doing good things. And that He is also glorified. But notice what it says in verse 9. This is, um, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Again, Remain, rest, and rely. And then in verse 10, you got to love this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things, meaning these things that I've just said, but more specifically, these things, talking about the commandments of, of, of Jesus, the commandments of God, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now here's what's really interesting when I look at this. It's actually saying that the commandments of the Lord are not onerous, or, or you know, they're, not, they're not meant to be difficult, but they're actually meant to bring about joy in the midst of your life. So when we look at the commandments of God, we look at the, and another word for commandments or precepts or the law of God, when we look at what Jesus calls us to do, he's actually doing that so that we might experience the flourishing of our soul so that joy would literally come out of us. 
It's not to bring... There's a whole bunch of people today who think that all the commands of Jesus and all the commands of the Bible are put there to remove joy and happiness from people's lives. And what Jesus is saying is all of these things are put here so that your life may be the best that it can be. When we deviate from the commands and the precepts of the Lord and we are part of the vine, He will either lift us up or He will prune those areas of of our life. And He will do so that we will be more fruitful, so that the Father will be more glorified, and that we might have more joy in Him. The, the last thing is, um, and, and that's the last R. So if, it, if we think about you know, abiding, meaning remaining with Him, and resting in Him, and relying upon Him, the last one is rejoicing in Christ. Rejoicing in Christ. Now what does that look like in terms of rejoicing in Christ? It looks like this. It means when we come and we sing, we sing with all of our soul. Because we are so full of joy at what Christ has done for us. It means that we can not only forgive others their debts, but we can also forgive ourselves because of what Jesus has done. I think one of the most difficult things that people struggle with is actually forgiving themselves. Because they they think that they're not good enough to merit the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they can't deal with the idea of forgiving themselves. Um, let me close. I, I'm, I'm out of time. Um, I, I would just encourage you to, to dwell. What does it mean to abide in Christ? And what does it mean that I am... Um, I guess the question is, what false vines are you connecting to? Let me leave you with one of my favorite quotes ever. Um, it's by a guy named Octavius Winslow. Um, and Octavius Winslow was, a, was sort of an old Puritan guy. And here's what he says. And this is, he's quoting Psalm 55, verse 22. And this is really for those who are weary of soul. You know, those people who are just really struggling right now, right? Psalm 55, verse 22 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. And he says this, It is by an act of simple, prayerful faith, we transfer our cares and anxieties, our sorrows and needs to the Lord. Jesus invites you, come and lean upon him and to lean with all your might upon that arm that balances the universe and upon that bosom that bled for you upon the soldier's spear. But you doubtingly ask, is the Lord able to do this thing for me? And thus, while you are debating a matter about which there is not the shadow of a shade of doubt, the burden is crushing your gentle spirit to the dust. And all the while, Jesus stands at your side and lovingly says, Cast your burden upon me, and I will sustain you. I am God Almighty. I bore the load of your sin and condemnation upon the steps of Calvary, and the same power of omnipotence and the same strength of love that bore it all all for you then is prepared to bear your need and sorrow now. Roll it all upon me. Child of my love, lean hard. Let me feel the pressure of your care. I know your burden, child. I shaped it. I poised it in my hand and made no proportion of its weight to your unaided strength. For even as I laid it on, I said I shall be near, and while she leans on me, this burden shall be mine, not hers. So shall I keep my child within the encircling arms of my own love. 
Here, lay it down. Do not fear to impose it on a shoulder which upholds the government of the worlds. Yet closer come. You are not near enough. I would embrace your burden so I might feel my child reposing on my breast. You love me, I know it. Doubt not then, but loving me, lean hard. I think that's a almost a mantra for me as I think about things that are hard. I go, am I leaning with all of my might upon the, the omnipotent, encircling, loving arms of Jesus? Lean hard and abide in Christ. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful for the way that you love us and care for us and guide us and direct our steps. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to identify false vines um, that we're connected to and that, Father, we would connect with you and, Father, that we would abide with you, that we would remain and rest and rely and then rejoice in Christ. Father, in the midst of pruning, it is painful, but, Father, you are the expert vine dresser. You cut deeply so that we might flourish all the more. So, Father, I pray for my friends here. Father, I pray for my daughters. I pray, Lord, that they would love Jesus. They would experience the forgiveness of their souls, that they would lean hard upon Jesus. And, Father, that they might experience and know forgiveness found in the gospel. Father, hear our prayers. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.